On, during the evenings, I like to make it more of a storytelling time and hearing about how God worked in the lives of people in the Bible, hearing a bit of uh, how, how those stories touch your heart as well. And I wanted to uh, just mention how I got connected to uh, ACC and a number of people here. And I don't know, we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes tonight. The uh, part of my work, so what do I do now, now that I'm not pastoring? I, I work two jobs right now, and I've been doing that for about four years. I work full-time for American Bible Society, which is one of the oldest nonprofits in America. It was founded about 200 years ago, and they distribute scriptures uh, around the country and now around the world. So I started out with them as a programmer, and most recently I've taken on a new role in fundraising. So uh, I work a lot on the Internet world, and uh, that's also how uh, I kind of got connected to some of the people here. Uh, how many of you do Zango or blogging? Wow. Okay. How many of you have uh, seen my website already? Okay. Well, there, there you go. So I feel a little exposed. Um, I've been blogging since 1999, before it was called blogging. And so I share some of my thoughts and ideas, and it's opened uh, open a door for me to connect with people around the country and around the world. Now, my, my, my second job is with L Squared Foundation. And the question that follows from that is, what's L Squared? Uh, L Squared stands for Leadership and Legacy for Asian Americans, and I, I've been working with them half-time for about four years now, and one of the things that um, our foundation does is we want to resource and empower uh, young Asian Americans like yourself to fulfill your personal calling, whatever that might be. Uh, one day we dream of Asian Americans being prominent leaders in all kinds of vocations, uh, inside the church and outside the church, uh, around the country and around the world, uh, doing all kinds of things uh, beyond being a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And so uh, that's, that's our big dream with a small foundation. And the foundation world is a whole different world for me. Uh, it's also a, a world that's developing as we speak. Um, many of you understand or have heard of the corporate world with for-profit businesses. Um, you've heard of government work, and perhaps you've heard of nonprofits. Well, foundations are these entities that are set aside with lots and lots of money. Uh, perhaps you've heard of Pew Trust or Ford Foundation. When you watch PBS, all those sponsors that come on the end of the programs, yeah, those, those are people that have set aside... Arthur, yeah, my little boy watches Arthur. Yeah, I've, yeah, the Center for Public Broadcasting, right? And so, um, one of the families I got to meet uh, during my pastoral years was Paul and Alice Chu in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, they really have a heart for the next generation. And I had been um, just networking and, and building relationships in that arena after seminary. And uh, God kind of opened that door, and they really want to invest uh, what they have to encourage uh, people like, like us um, to really 
serve, serve God in whatever way we uh, feel moved to. And it's a very freeing, uh, very encouraging, and very exciting vision that we have. Uh, because as we look at Asian American, um, Asian Americans, particularly the next generation, and I know uh, Mark Austin and uh, Catherine have some Asian American studies, so they can back me up on the stats. But uh, Asian Americans have the highest median family income of any ethnic grouping. So we have a lot of earning capacity. And I, I would guess just from interacting from uh, with you these past few days that you have a lot of capacity to produce a lot of good things and do a lot of great work. Uh, you have a lot of energy. You have a lot of fun. And those are tremendous things that we can share with the greater community, uh, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And um, secondly, we, we, uh, we as Asian Americans have the highest college graduation rate. So we're very educated. We, we know how to uh, learn a lot of stuff, and that gives us a tr tremendous capacity to serve in God's kingdom. And so we want to be uh, alongside of you and help you along and really use your creativity, use your energy, uh, use all that you have to, uh, to contribute to make a difference in this world. So that's what, that's what uh, L Squared is about, and uh, that's, uh, that's what I've been doing. And uh, as, as I scanned the landscape for different churches and ministries, one of the ones that came across my radars, radar was uh, Liquid. So I got to see that start up uh, over the Internet, and I was just um, intrigued by what God was doing in, in a little town called Austin, Texas. And so uh, I finally had a chance to uh, visit here last about a month ago um, while, while I was doing some corporate training. But it turns out Liquid moved to Sunday night during the summer, and I couldn't go. So it's still a figment of my imagination until this weekend. So this Sunday, I'll finally get to make my pilgrimage to Liquid. And uh, it, it's great to see kind of the, uh, the many of you that might stay around here for college and be a part of Liquid in a uh, couple, couple years. And... Um, I guess back, well, yeah, so, so I got to chat with a number of people on the forums and just see what's happening in life here, and just and then now to experience it with you has been a real joy. So thank you for inviting me and allowing me to share in your life. Uh, tonight we're just going to look at a couple of stories, uh, four of them and make some observations and uh, reflect on them, and we'll take some time for question and answers. Uh, how many of you have heard of a Frenchman named Alexis de Tocqueville? Alexis de Tocqueville. Yeah, he was a guy that came to America, and what, what did he observe? Democracy. Okay. And what, what did he notice about democracy? You want to you push this further? Hey, you're so educated. Okay, back back there. <laughs> yeah, so he, he came to, uh, a Frenchman in the 1830s came to America, uh, America, the United States, in order to understand what made democracy in America work. And uh, he, he noticed that free people can believe that they have the license to com either be completely selfish 
and destroy the unity needed for community and nation to keep functioning. But de Tocqueville concluded that Americans don't misuse their freedom because they have developed what he calls habits of the heart. And these describe the ways of approaching life that includes concern for others. These habits were rooted in America's strong religious faith. Now, this is debated in political circles back and forth, uh, whether America really had a Judeo-Christian foundation or not, and blah, 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 blah. But uh, I, I think it's uh, unarguable that uh, those of Christian faith have made a tremendous impact in the history of America to make what it is today. And my, my concern tonight is not so much for America, but for the kingdom of God and how the lives of these men have, uh, or how the habits of the heart of those who've gone before us can be an example and an inspiration for developing habits in our own hearts. Uh, we're we're going to use the metaphor, metaphor of the heart to talk about our walk with God uh, this weekend. So as, as we look at the extreme makeover, this morning we talked about the renovation of the heart and what it looks like for a heart to respond to God, one that pleases God, one that persuades people, one that uh, talks about the reconciliation, the peace that we have with God. And we want to become sheep. Sheep... Next slide. Sheep who are easily swayed or led by Jesus Christ. And to give you a little uh, context, a little expectation management, um, our, our personal transformation or renovation of the heart doesn't happen in an instant or in a week. It takes time, motivation, and disciplines for life change and personal growth. So tonight we're going to look at four stories uh, of habits of grace, grace, habits of the heart. Here, here's something fun I found on the internet. Seven habits of highly ineffective Christians. Friendship with the world, murmuring and complaining, poor praying, Bible neglect, a refusal to serve others, compartment spirituality, or poor, poor worship habits. So these are the things you don't want to do in terms of habits to becoming an effective Christian. Any of you watch Seinfeld? Yeah. See, I, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I, I saw him way back when, when he was just a stand-up comic, and then to see his, um, his sitcom come out became a weekly ritual for me to watch. And... Um, I'm, I'm starting to collect all the DVDs. Then one episode, George Costanza, who, who's this uh, 35-year-old single guy and kind of balding and not real winsome, he, he still lives with, lives with his parents. And so he thought he'd try something different and do the opposite of what his instincts would say. And during that episode, it just brought him tremendous success. So as we look at this list, we want, perhaps we want to do the opposite to become uh, effective Christians, those with good habits that follow after Christ. So some questions I, I thought of as I wrestle with, what, what are these habits of grace? Uh, if, if we turn these 
ineffective habits into effective habits, what would they look like? How, how often should they be done? And how much is enough? Uh, is this a whole other list of things that we have to do to earn spiritual favor? Is it a bunch of to-do lists? Is it another performance thing? Uh, some of us might be have a perfectionist tendency or overachieving tendency, and it's like, boy, how much do we have to do to please God? Well, I hope as we look at these stories, we'll, we'll change our frame of reference, change the way we look at forming these habits. Not so much of how much we have to do or how, how intensely we do it or how right we do it, but the question I hope to... Uh, steer us towards and help us to answer for ourselves is how much do we want to do with them? And what is it that we want to do? What, what is it that we desire to do in our pursuit of God? So tonight I'm going to invite uh, your help, some of you in the front row, that, to read some scripture with, with us. So um, I'm going to need four, four volunteers with uh, good Bibles to come up and read for us. Okay, so the first story we're going to look at is from Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 27, 31, uh, verses 66 to 72. And I'll take a second volunteer to read John 21. Mark, Mark chapter 14, select verses, and then John 21. Okay, someone someone got those verses? I'll come up. Mark 14, verse 27, and following. Okay. You got it? You want to come up? Ben, come on. Read for us. Yeah, I know. I'm nervous, too. Let's have some ladies. Come on up. Oh, Thank you. Come on up. Okay. Mark, here we go. 14, Mark 14, 27, 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. <clears throat> Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Sorry. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. <clears throat> but he spoke more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when, he, and when she saw Peter warming himself, <clears throat> she looked at him and said, You also were, were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know you know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. Thank you. Give her hand.
Okay, I'm going to turn to John 21, verse 15 to 22, and read the conclusion of what happened between Jesus and Peter. Okay, John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved and was following them. This was the, first, the, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now, what impressed you about that story of Peter? What what happened in the story? Let's... Let's process it together. Okay, be, before before Jesus asked the questions, what what did what did Jesus say that Peter was going to do? Okay, Jesus Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times. Great observation. So Jesus asked him three times to kind of counter. What was that game we've been playing? The counter counter crow thing. <laughs> so, counter, counter, counter court. Yeah. So, so, so the three, so the three questions that Jesus asked kind of counter the denials. Hey, that fits. Okay. Very good. Any, anything else did you you saw in this story?
This is a very important story because of how uh, Jesus restores Peter as one of the first uh, fathers of the church, if you will, that even though Peter denies Jesus three times, a very shameful thing, and in some of the gospel accounts it, talk, it describes how Peter wept, wept bitterly for having done that to Jesus, and yet Jesus was able to approach him, restore him, and use him mightily. And the story is an encouragement to me because regardless of what I have done in my life, uh, even to the shame of Jesus, that Jesus can restore a person, show grace, show healing, and still use him in a mighty way. And that's the kind of story that can change our heart too. That when we realize how or when we do something terrible uh, by mistake or even by intention, that we can still come back to Jesus and he, he will ask a few, a few questions and restore us. Okay, next, next story we'll look at is from the book of Luke. Luke 7, Can I have another volunteer? Read, read the passage for us. We're going to go through the rest of these uh, fairly quickly, just to read the story. Uh, take take a look at take a look at what the story says to us. Okay. Uh, you want to stand up and read from there? Okay, Ken. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you, Ken. How do you think the woman felt when Jesus pronounced her forgiven? Grateful, rejoicing? Yeah. One, one of the most profound verses in this passage is verse 47. If you'll kind of put a check mark in your Bible or put it in your notes. Luke 7:47. I like the airplane. Um, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. The uh, second half of that is, is incredibly pr- profound. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. So as we look at habits of the heart and what motivates us to pursue Christ, it it's realizing how much we have been forgiven. Now, I know in, in a context like Suburban America or even here in Austin, Texas, uh, and, and our lifestyle you know, is nothing compared to this sinful woman. And we, we, we try and we probably do pretty good living a normal, good citizen life. But compared to God's holy standard, the more we realize how, how holy and how perfect he is and how normal we are, realizing that forgiveness stirs up love in our hearts, and that motivates us to do these habits of grace. Okay, the next story is Luke 18, 18 to 30. Got a lot of stories here. Okay. Okay, this'll this'll be our, our last story for the evening. Luke 18, 18 to 30. I need one more reader. Thank you. Yeah, you can stand and read. Mm-hmm. Nice and clear. Oh, sorry, we got one up front here. Or okay, one in back. Thank you.
Excellent. Thank you. Now, what, what impressed you about this story? The camel and the needle. In what way? Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of funny. Jesus is telling a Hebrew joke. There you go. But what was the point of that story? What was the point of the camel and the needle? It's difficult. It's it's very difficult. It's it's impossible that that in the spiritual life it's it's about God working, not how much we work. Now, what what was so difficult for this rich young ruler to follow Christ? Yeah, the rich young man worked pretty hard for his stuff and his wealth. Enjoyed his enjoyed his stuff. Sure. Is is it okay to enjoy stuff? Okay. But so, what was the rich young man's uh, problem? When Jesus, what was the question Jesus posed to the rich young man? Just look in the scripture there. He couldn't let it go. But what, what did Jesus ask of the young man? Okay, he, he asked two things. A lot, a lot of times we kind of gloss over this passage and we say, well, he, uh, Jesus asked him to sell all this stuff. But look, look carefully. Verse 22. Okay, so this is a good guy. He obeyed the commandments, but Jesus asked one, one thing. He lacked one thing. Sell everything you have and, don't miss this, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. The, the young man had more than he needed. He could enjoy the stuff, but Jesus was asking him to sell everything he had and give to the poor. It's an active giving. It wasn't just to sell his stuff and abandon it. It was to sell his stuff, cash it in, and use that cash for kingdom purposes. And so as, as God would bless you with not only talents that you're actively developing in school, you're actively using in uh, serving in different capacities here in Lighthouse, that um, as you get uh, use your education in different professions, and God blesses you with wealth, use and enjoy what you need, but the extra you invest in the kingdom of God. That, that's, that's the uh, important thing, to, to realize God provides for your needs, but he also gives you access to share with others. When winding up our time, I do want to mention to you what, what do these habits look like? 
Once we've had a profound change of heart, we realize how much we've been forgiven. We realize God blesses us more than what we need to share with others. We, we can uh, look for ways to pursue after God. Not because this is another to-do list. How, how we look at this list is, is as important as what motivates us to do them. Uh, habits of grace. There's a, it's probably four slides down. A spiritual framework, habits of grace. Here's a list I found from uh, Purpose Driven Youth Ministry uh, in Southern California, and it spells habits. Uh, hang out with God, accountability with other believers, Bible reading and memorizing, involvement with the church body, tithing commitment, and study scripture. And these, this is just a basic framework for how uh, you can pursue God and develop these habits to keep you in touch with God, to listen to his heartbeat, so that your heartbeat becomes God's heartbeat. And I'll unpack some of this tomorrow as we uh, look more into the scripture. But tonight I just wanted to show you what it looks like uh, as you realize uh, how much God has given us and how we can respond to that. And our, heart, our hearts would also be changed to follow him. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to entertain some questions, and we're going to do a little bit of that tonight, and also during my two talks tomorrow, I'll carve out some time for questions. Uh, those of you that still have index cards, feel free to jot some things down that you'd like to ask about uh, the scriptures, the things that we've talked about so far, um, perhaps some things that you're uh, working through in your life, if I can be of help. Uh, please jot those down, and we'll uh, entertain some of those. Now, I got, I got a few cards today, and so one's a prayer request that we'll be praying for. Uh, one was a question that we um, we felt would be more appropriate to address in a smaller context because we're we're in a very large room with uh, different grades and different genders, and some of the uh, questions that were submitted, if I don't get to answer, please uh, pursue me. Uh, during free time or during um, during snack time, and I'd be happy to uh, talk with you about that. But one of the questions that's particularly pertinent to what we talked about tonight is uh, someone says, well, what, what do what do I do when I'm feeling on a spiritual low? You know, how can I get revitalized? How can I find that love and passion for God again? Well, I, me- I mentioned in my story uh, yesterday that uh, about three years ago, I really hit bottom. Uh, not only spiritual, but spiritually, but also emotionally, and perhaps physically, and uh, mentally. Just uh, really felt burnt, burnt out. And um, th- those those things happen to uh, some of us some of the time, occasionally. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to share from my experience of how uh, God. Uh, renewed renewed my spirit and helped me to um, get better. I think one one of the one of the main things is to ha- uh, st- hang on hang on to God. Uh, I, I know during spiritual dry times you may not be very motivated to pray or read the scriptures. Um, as much as you would when you are feeling motivated and hungry and really loving and passionate. 
but that's my uh, timer thing. Um, but even du- even during low times, hang in there with God because God God will show up. God God is with you in the dark time as well as the high times. And uh, hang in there means uh, don't don't give up on God. He has He hasn't given up on you. Um, continue to worship God. I think just being around Christian fellowship, being around uh, worship times, that um, something mysterious and something happens as the Spirit of God is moving amongst his people, that if I'm feeling dry, that some of it kind of uh, overflows and washes over me. Uh, The other thing that I did that was very helpful was to ask a few close friends uh, and, and share with them that I was feeling low and to ask them to pray for me. Um, and not only did they pray for me, they provided me a safe place to just talk, have those heart-to-heart talks and to say, hey, I'm having a, uh, a low time. Would, would you just um, be with me? Would you pray with me? Would you um, just let me talk it out? share my life with you. And so I had a handful of friends that just uh, journeyed with me. I kind of borrowed their faith, if you will. And uh, it took about a year. But God God was faithful and he shows up. There's a, there's a scripture in the, um, I think it's in First or Second Timothy, that even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. And so those are the promises that we can hang on to and take to the bank. That God, I shared with scripture with you yesterday that God who began a good work in you will complete it to the end, to the day of Christ Jesus. And that's what we take to the bank. That that the Christian life is not something we do, it's something that God does in and through us. Okay. Let me close on a word of prayer and then we're going to have some uh, some more fun tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for giving us life and a life abundant. We've looked at a few stories uh, tonight, and we pray, I pray that uh, those stories would serve as examples to us of how it is that your spirit can work in our lives as well. Uh, make it real and make it alive. Uh, show, show each of us what it means to form these habits of grace. Uh, Habits or those things that we do on a regular basis that form us and shape us. And after we've done a while, it becomes second nature. And it becomes a part of who we are. And we want to be sheep who are easily led by the voice of Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. And we pray that you would do your work Thank you for doing your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.